Welcome to the Miscellaneous Podcast. This is the first episode of season three. My name is Adil Ahmad, and I still have Miscellaneous. This episode is with John Smoot. Uh, John's the guy I met at the Miscellaneous convention a couple years ago, and again last year. And I'm, I chose John to kick off this um, season because the 2020 convention is virtual and it's actually this weekend starting on I believe Thursday night uh, and it goes through Saturday. I'll be speaking on Saturday on what I've learned doing the podcast about community, about misophonia and uh, yeah I wanted to kick it off with John. He's a passionate advocate and he actually runs a number of the uh, online groups and he's here to talk about that but also his origin story and um, some other interesting tidbits from his life he's had to me so for a while and uh, he's got stories going back to the 80s i mentioned the convention that's uh, again this weekend i don't know I, i'm sure you can still get access to it uh, i've had a number of past guests and listeners say that they'll they'll be on listening to my talk on saturday so that should be fun and i just want to say there are still a bunch of slots available for interviews for this season uh, they, they've been filling up quickly, but there are still some available, and I'd love to talk to you. Uh, the interviews I've done so far have been amazing. There's some there's some really cool stuff coming up. People um, from all over the world, again, of course, and I've got some of the leading advocates, a uh, professional comedian who talks about misophonia, and yeah, it's just amazing. Can't wait to bring these to you starting, um, continuing next week. And another thing I'm going to be experimenting this season is actually written interviews through dms and chats and emails so if you're interested in that please give me a give me an email at hello at misophoniapodcast.com or you can just contact through the instagram or facebook at misophoniapodcast or even on twitter at misophoniashow all right well without further ado here's my interview with john john welcome good to good to have you finally on the podcast thank you good to finally be here um, John, I met at, um, well, the viewers, listeners know probably by now, I met you a couple of years ago, a couple of conventions ago. And, uh, yeah, we were, kind of, we were relatively in touch on social media, trying to get community, um, growing for, for me. So, so good to have you here. Um, obviously as a listener, you. you kind of know, I like to kind of find out roughly where people are located and, um, yeah, tell me about you. Well, I'm in the uh, Los Angeles area, and uh, currently I don't leave the house because we're under complete lockdown right now. Uh, this is on the, I don't know, depending on how things go, the tail end or the middle portion of the whole coronavirus pandemic and the uh, protests and also, unfortunately, counterproductive looting and terrorizing that is going out there as well, going on out there. So they've uh, got uh, most of California on lockdown, I believe. Yeah, so interesting, interesting times. Uh, well, you know, we'll probably get into some of that, like how is it during, you know, work from home and all that stuff, um, or just being at home, uh, put it that way. But um, yeah, so what? Let's, you know, I haven't heard, or maybe I don't remember too much of your kind of life story. Do you want to just roughly talk about kind of like around when this started for you and um, what you kind of remember about from back in the day? The origin story of the smoother. Sorry, that's what I my nickname. <laughs> um, started to develop the miso triggers very gradually, somewhere between the ages of 15 and 17, uh, which was a long time ago because I'm in my very early 50s right now. Um, so it was the mid 80s, and uh, 
I just started to think people were really rude you know, with bad eating manners and stuff. Um, but I did notice that it started to bug me more than it should have and bug me to the point where I could actually kind of feel it. If that's, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, and, and actually just to jump ahead several years now that things are more developed with my miso and also with my, hopefully my maturity, at least a little bit, um, my miso triggers the way they affect me because they're not the same for everybody, but it's kind of like a, that hangover you get, not the hangover itself, but the sensitivity that comes with it. So imagine you're laying in a bed and you've got a massive hangover or a massive migraine so that the non-drinkers can relate. And the uh, curtains have been opened and someone comes in with a metal pan and they're beating on it with a wooden stove. Something like that. That's what my, my triggers are. And I kind of noticed that starting to grow where it's like, this, this doesn't make sense for me to feel this hurt by people chewing with their mouth open or popping their bubble gum, which, by the way, I used to do pretty well myself. And I had a neat trick I won't get into for hiding my gum uh, what the uh, teachers would catch me chewing in class to where they couldn't find it and they'd walk around feeling stupid afterwards because they would turn their back and I'd start <laughs> chewing my gum in front of the class again. So maybe misophonia was a payback uh, yeah. being a class clown. Clearly it was. <laughs> yeah, so eventually this got so bad over the course of, uh, you know, a few years on into my 20s where I just couldn't even chew gum anymore. It wasn't just that other people were uh, rude about it and it bothered me. I couldn't chew it. And, you know, I didn't self-trigger, but I just felt like such a hypocrite. Um, it's just one of those things that got progressively worse. And then eventually more sounds started to come into the picture. And uh, one fairly fairly graphic instance I'll share with you, um, a, a lot of it really is rooted in the gum. It's gone so far beyond that now, but a lot of it's rooted in that. And back at a job I had in the early 2000s, right around the time Misophonia was uh, getting its name, uh, there was a girl I sat next to at work. I mean, we were very close physically, our desks and uh, our chairs, and she chewed gum like a cow. Uh, trigger alert out there, just in case. Um, she chewed gum like a cow, and uh, I could usually kind of put up with a little bit, but it was getting more difficult, and one day she was just going nuts. And I asked her to, sh to stop, and she just said, you're so stupid, John. And I'm like, okay, she thinks this is a big joke, but it's not. And then I started to feel nauseous, and I went in the bathroom, and I threw up. And then wow. I had to go home sick the rest of the day. And I didn't know what this was. Misophonia was getting its name around that time, but I still wasn't going to know for like another 15 years. Um, and I just felt so, uh, what's the word? Weak. I can't put it any other way. Very weak. It's like, how does a guy throw up because a girl has got bad manners? And I, I did make up my mind at that point, whatever this is, I just used to tell people it was some weird personality before I couldn't get past it. But whatever this is, never again will I let it push me to that point. So, you know, we call it fight or flight. For the most part, I'm pretty much flight. I don't want to fight with anybody. Um, and I never did let it get to that point again, thank God. And then years later, uh, a boss who I'm still close to and friends with on Facebook found a an article on misophonia and she posted it apparently thinking of me but forgot to tag me in it and my wife happened to see it so she tagged me in it and my boss said oh yeah that's exactly who I was thinking of when I posted it and I saw it on my page my wife hadn't told me what you know I don't know if I didn't talk to her yet that day or what but 
I saw it on my uh, page that I've been tagged in this article. It said something like, do you hate the sound of slurping? Which, like I said, by then there were other noises besides the gum chewing and the popping and whatnot. And uh, I thought, okay, this is just some kind of joke that my ex-boss and my wife were playing on me. And I opened it up and I read it and I could feel my mouth, my jaw, drop to the floor. And I... Not quite, but was almost in tears <laughs> by the time I was done reading it. And I'm like, yep. pardon my French, but who the F gave authorization to write my biography? Right. Yeah, and uh, right, right after that, you know, I started looking stuff up on my own, found the Misophonia Association and started uh, looking at the, uh, the uh, what we used to call them boards. What are they called now? Group pages? Yeah, like forms and, and yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. And. A lot of it was Misophonia Association, and this was in 2016 when this all happened, and I was really looking forward to this conference and waiting for the dates, and for those of, the, those of you out there in radio or podcast land who don't know, the 2016 conference actually became the 2017 conference because uh, they, they had to reschedule it, so I had to wait like another six months to go to Vegas, and there was kind of a an irony in that, because I guess some people didn't want to go to Vegas because they were afraid to be triggered by the noises of slot machines and coins there. Um, but that didn't bother me at all. I love Vegas, and as far as my triggers go, there's nothing in Vegas that's going to trigger me that I can't get anywhere else in you know L.A. or Tennessee or wherever I may be. So I was okay with that, and I went, and I felt like I'd found a lot of lost family because here's a bunch of people like me that were many of them sitting around thinking they were crazy while I was sitting around thinking I was crazy. None of us were crazy, although this is driving us crazy. And uh, it, was, it was a great weekend, and uh, or you know, a couple of days through into the weekend, and I've gone to everyone since so far. Yeah. It was a long and, story, wasn't it? I just took you through yeah. 30 years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, over 30 years. Yeah, that's great. No, you, uh, you, you summed up well there. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. You, uh, you know, you, you. So after that, that's one of the first or one of the rare kind of physical responses that I've heard about of somebody actually having to run to the bathroom, and throw up. You know, we bottle stuff up inside. It's um, I haven't heard that often of somebody actually like having a that kind of physical reaction. And after that, you said that you do you do, you swore that you were not going to get to that point again, and you were going to use flight as your uh, kind of mechanism. How did you do that? Like, were there, uh, would you, did you literally just leave every time you heard something or how did that, how did that go? And did you ever lapse and, you know, I think a lot of it was automatic. Um, I mean, really, I guess, I, I guess I did a lot of, uh, explaining in summer in, in my summarization there of my, uh, life history. Um, I did say never mind. I don't think I consciously at that, or excuse me, never again. I did say never again. I don't think at that point I consciously said I'm going to run away and not beat people up or, you know, risk getting beat up, whatever. Um, I think that just getting away became my automatic response. And then once I knew what misophonia was and started talking to other people in the, the miso families, I put it such as yourself and reading things, I think I just kind of came up you know, with the realization, I don't want to hurt anybody. And that's kind of one of my pet peeves. I, there's a lot of great articles out there about misophonia. And I know that everybody's well-meaning, but I'm getting a little concerned because we need to grow the awareness of it and i see that happening but i think with that there's misconceptions going on out there um being promoted unintentionally i'm sure um like the picture of the girl covering her ears and squinting that's 
that's not how everybody reacts. You know, some people just leave. Uh, and we're not like that all the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried that someone's thinking, you know, that, oh, my gosh, if I chew my gum in front of a mesophone, they're going to go ballistic and, you know, mutilate me or something. And that's not the kind of thing I want out there. And I hear people talking about fight or, fight or flight, and I just kind of realized, really only realized that maybe a few years ago that I'm probably more of a, a flight person. Um, I can't say I've never had somewhat violent thoughts about this, you know, what the triggers do to me, um, but never really extreme, never serious, never anything I wanted to act upon, even on my worst agitator. I prefer just to get away. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I hear about a lot of the violent thoughts, but I, it's almost never that I hear about somebody acting on it. It's, it pretty much ends up being uh, glares and or leaving. Um, and, and, and in the, you know, in that, uh, in that period when you felt you realized something was wrong until you heard about me. So were you maybe subconsciously doing things like, you know, wearing your earbuds a lot or I don't know, do Did you, did you have any coping mechanisms during those years when you weren't sure what, what, what it was or didn't think there was anything special? This, this is where, uh, I have to admit a, a lack of intelligence on my part. Um, at the first conference, I met a gentleman that some of you have probably seen uh, in a movie called Quiet, Please, or uh, through other mediums. He's a musician named Paul Tabachnik, mm-hmm. and uh, he carries around musicians' headphones, or earplugs, rather. And he turned me onto those, and uh, I didn't know he was wearing them, which was one of, kind of the selling point for him. He's like, yeah, you didn't know I had them in there, right? I'm like, oh, when I get back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order some of those and try that. And I got the same ones he was getting. Uh, they were the uh, the heroes, musicians, ear plugs, if anyone's looking for them. And uh, I would recommend them if they work for you. Um, I actually have moved on to some others that worked a little uh, better for me personally. And uh, totally forgot where I was going with that, dude. Oh, well, yeah. I was talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, in your life story, I, want, I was kind of diving into like that, that period before you knew it was me. So, But you knew something was up. Like what kind of coping mechanisms did you have? And you, oh yeah, then you start to talk okay. about how you're uh, you have very very low intelligence, and uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so <laughs> I get back and I start using these earplugs, and I start remembering I love to go to the movies. I don't do it much anymore for yeah. the obvious miso reasons, <laughs> right? But before it really escalated, I was the guy that would go to see a movie that I thought was going to suck just so I could be in a movie theater. That's how much I enjoyed going back mm. when I could go. And as the thing started to progress, and this is a great example, in movie theaters, I would grab a bunch of napkins when I'd buy my popcorn that, of course, I could eat and no one else in the theater could. And uh, I would stuff my ears full of itty-bitty napkin pieces to try to block out the sounds of others who were eating their popcorn. And so here it is, years later, I finally know what this is, but how on earth did I not figure out that maybe if I tried shoving some earplugs in my ears, I'd be a little less miserable. So, yeah, wow. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess... That you know, was less intelligent. I mean, I know a lot, a lot of people were hearing about it recently. They're Googling for it. But back in the day, you couldn't really necessarily, like in the 90s, you you know, these search engines weren't, weren't around. You couldn't just Google, like you know, want to tear my ears out or, or sound sensitivity and, and then find this stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, you do what you got to do. Shove, uh, shove paper in your ears or, uh, or what have you. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, totally DIY MacGyver, um, solutions you're, you're, you were doing. And then, yeah, then, and then you were given this article, um, 
and you said you you know almost broke down in tears probably like like a lot almost. of this yeah almost. of course not yeah almost <laughs> um so and it did um in did your yeah so what was it like after that did you did you immediately start to get new coping me- mechanisms or uh, uh i don't know did you start telling everybody about it uh, like how, how's your reaction well, once I was over feeling like an idiot for something I should have figured out on my own 25 years or so earlier. No, I mean, I, yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, how are you going to figure it out? It's, it seems, it seems so weird when you explain, when you explain to somebody, but continue. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. I, I hate to admit this. I know you're going to edit this out. At least I hope you are. I forgot the question. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I woke up in the middle my, of the conversation. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not good. Um, I think I was asking, oh, yeah, so so you found out what it was. How did your life change? Okay. Um, my, I'm going to be really honest here. My life changed mostly for the better, but not entirely. And I think that's just part of misophonia, and we have to deal with it. And those, of, uh, those who may hear this and are new maybe need to know this ahead of time. Um, at first, my thought was, I'm not crazy, at least not for this reason. You know? And uh, so that, that gave me... That gave me the warm fuzzies. You know, I felt great. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a reason I'm like this. I, I actually was was in leadership at a job at the time, and uh, we had a meeting. And I told my bosses I was going to do this. I, I was going to announce why. Pardon me. I said, I'm going to tell some of you why I'm such an asshole sometimes. <laughs> and in the meeting, I explained misophonia. And at that point, I'd only known about it for a month, but I'd done a lot of reading. And uh, you know, at that point, self-diagnosed. Um, and that was that was great to be able to come out. I mean, it's, I didn't want to. I'm not normally someone that likes to show all of his dirty laundry, but I felt like that was something that I needed to share for my own sanity. So um, it's something that I'm I don't hide, but I don't always broadcast. Pardon the pun. Um, so that part of it was great, and getting the support of my family members, some of whom some of whom used to trigger me when I was younger and became my biggest supporters before I even knew what Musa was. They're like. Something's up with John, and he can't help it. I gotta be cool about this around him. And when they found out, is I mean, nothing, nothing but love. That'll that'll bring you to tears, um, in a good way. But the downside was, uh, at some point, I started to notice that I had, I, I was becoming more sensitive. It actually was kind of after the first conference. And while I was at that conference, I had tried to make a list of my triggers, and I just started thinking and realized there were things that were bugging me. Um, so lightly that maybe it was on a near subconscious level and I didn't really realize it until I was looking for it. And I'm making this list that I thought was going to be three or four things and it wound up being like a page and a half. And it was everything from, you know, potato chips to kissing noises in a movie. And unfortunately, a lot of the triggers have grown just in the last four years and others seem to have come out in the last four years and, and developed. And I think that probably is the downside of knowing this is we, we become more aware of what's uh, gradually going to happen anyway, I guess. Uh, the inevitable comes a lot faster because now you're aware that it's coming. Um, and I wonder and if that's because, you know, you know how stress really makes this worse for us. And I wonder if just being conscious of it, you know, uh, I get more stressed out because when am I going to get triggered again? And if, uh, maybe that's a feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, 
there was a study done right around the time I went to the first conference, or I shouldn't say it, it makes it sound like I really know what I'm talking about. I read somewhere that there was a study going on in Australia and or New Zealand. Dr. John Smith um, here. Dr. John Smith. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You said you're, you're, you're like a real, a real expert here, but yeah, continue, continue. <laughs> gave away my secret identity. Um, the, the study that I was reading about probably on Facebook, which is where I seem to do most of my reading outside of work now, um, saying there's a study being done in uh, either Australia and or New Zealand that people talking about triggers with other mesophones, talking about the triggers with other mesophones are causing those mesophones to develop the same triggers. Mm. And, and not long after this is when I started to kind of notice my own sensitivity, even after the first conference. And I posted something about that to some people I'd met on at the conference and on Facebook, and some did say that yeah, in certain situations they find themselves more sensitive afterwards. So there's the downside. I think maybe awareness of it makes you this is sound intelligent more aware of it. You know, maybe more aware of triggers that you might not have noticed until they had a lot more time to grow, therefore making them grow faster. I didn't realize how much the sound of the ruffling of a cellophane or a potato chip bag bothers me until 2016 now it bothers me a lot more um as a kid i love to see people making out or whatever on television and, and movies because i was a kid and kids right or wrong like to see those kind of uh crazy things the grown-ups are doing you know and now if that's on i usually have to mute it at least but i certainly can't stand to hear it anymore right interesting yeah uh, yeah, maybe like a double-edged sword, like knowing knowing about it can make you more aware of it. And that, like, like I said before, like maybe a feedback loop there. Um, and well, what, you know, so, maybe whoever yeah. coined the phrase ignorance is bliss was a mesophone. Wise questions from Dr. John Smoot there. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Philosopher. Dr. John's booth. Um, I want to un go back to, you had a lot, uh, you were saying a lot earlier, there's a lot to unpack there about um, a month after you found out what it was, you went to your coworkers, right? Is that what you're talking about there? Roughly a month, as far as I can remember, yeah. So, oh yeah, I want to hear about... In a department meeting. Right, yeah. So I want to hear about, like, what... So before that, um, what, 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 you know, how were you treating your... Or what was the interaction with your, with your uh, coworkers when they were triggering you? Good question. And this goes, you know, of course, over... As far as actually telling people at work about it, it goes all the way back to at least the early 90s. I think maybe the first time I said something along those lines without knowing really what I was talking about, it would probably have been around 92. Um, and it would usually be something like, uh, look, it's not you, it's me. I don't understand it myself. I just got this weird personality flaw. And could you just maybe please chew with your mouth closed? It, it's, it's, it's painful, man. It's just really... I know you don't mean to, but could you just maybe do that for me? I'm not asking you to spit your gum out or whatever. Um, and then around 98, 99, I shared an office with two women, and one of them was in love with Subway. And don't get me wrong, I love Subway. I'm not about to say I'm Subway here, but she would come in just about every day with a Subway sandwich. And she would eat that thing and make noises that I've never heard anyone else make. And they weren't loud, but I could hear them, and it was painful. And back then, um, not to get any employers in trouble or anything, because this was all me, I tend to work without taking a lunch a lot, because that's just, that's just how I am, at least when I have that kind of flexibility. 
legal or not. Um, and this was a job where, you know, I just, I just did it work through. I'd go in there at eight in the morning and I'd work till six or seven at night sometimes just smoking a cigarette if I needed to, because back then I did smoke. I don't now or getting a snack or whatever, but not taking just a lunch hour. And there were many a day when I took a lunch hour that I hadn't actually planned to take because she was taking her lunch hour at her desk and killing me. So I finally talked to her about that and I, I put it off as long as I could because she, uh, she was a sweet lady and I knew she was really sensitive and I think I might have made her cry. So mm. more guilt for me. But that was basically the same speech I would try to give anyone I had to at work or, or otherwise, you know, it's not you, it's me please accommodate me or I'm going to die uh, kind of thing. So now I just get to say, uh, you know, the truth. And it makes a little more sense. And it's a truth that I know some people might be embarrassed to share, but let me tell you something. It's a lot easier to tell somebody, hey, I've got this uh, neurological condition and that noise you're making, I know you don't mean to, but it kind of aggravates it. As opposed to, look, I don't know what's wrong with me, but could you just shut your mouth? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of the, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you. I mean, you handled it. Uh, I guess in the nineties, in, in a in in same kind of way. A lot of us handle it now. Um, um, you know, real relatively mature way. I'm I'm, I'm impressed. And then a, a after you, um, yeah. So a, and after you told your department. Did you get different reactions from people? Like how how was it uh, how was it after that? Were there any kind of awkward uh, interactions with people afterwards? Did, did relationships change? Yeah, I'm actually still with that same company right now, and uh, I had been for several years at that point, and so I'd gotten to know people pretty much as as well as you could with a work family, and they all they all knew I had this issue, um, and there's one gentleman in particular who can pop them like a cow. But when it comes to this, he's one of my best friends. Um, I explained it to him, and he went out of his way not to make those noises around me. He's also a pen clicker. You know, one, two clicks yeah. makes sense. But when you're doing the repetitive thing, I, it, yeah. I can feel it like a fireworks in my, in my skull. Yep. And he, he is a guy, and he'll make fun of me for it. But we banter back and forth. You got he, let me tell you something. You've got to be able to laugh at this if you're going to live through it. Yeah, it's kind and of I man, humor. It. Yeah, humor has come it's up the as best a coping medicine. mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Right, true. and and he'll, you know, they, everyone thinks mesophones have great hearing. I subscribe to the other theory. We don't necessarily have great hearing. We have great radar for the things that bother us. So he would be across the room from me, and if he would open his, you know, open his mouth chewing his gum, I might call him on the phone from across the room and say, hey, uh, he'll go, yeah, yeah, whatever, okay, I'm sorry. And he'll stop. But then he'll yell out something to me and I'll go, what? And he'll go, how is it you can't hear me yelling out to you, but you, you can hear me chewing gum all the way over there? And I'll say, well, I can hear you. I just can't understand you. Ah, same thing. You know, but that's, that's our relationship. We get along. He is one of the people I really respect. Because he's, he, and there's others too, but he's just a good example. People who've really gone out of their way to accommodate me on that, even without orders from HR or anything. Um, but there is one guy in particular that I've known since day one there, and uh, he thinks he's funny when he's not, and he should be really glad I'm not naming him here. We're in the meeting where I explain that, and he starts, oh, you mean like this, and starts clicking his pen in front of everybody. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, dude, don't make me sock you in front of the entire department. And then another time, 
uh, it was later in the day. And I, I kind of put myself at risk here there because I, I realized I outranked him and it could look like I was the harasser, which is not what I meant. But, but he's, he's diabetic. I hope I don't have to edit, edit this part out because I'm not trying to offend diabetics. My grandmother died from diabetes. But he is diabetic. And he was making that noise on purpose to bug me one day. And it was the end of a long day and I was probably a little on edge and I got up and I walked back to him and one would say, got in his face. I don't think that's really what I did, but I did get awful close. And I said, do you think that's funny? He goes, well, yeah, I'm sorry if you can't take a joke. I said, no, seriously, you think that's funny. You're trying to irritate me with something you know really hurts me. And you think it's funny? You're a diabetic, right? He goes, yeah. I said, how about I shove a Hershey bar down your throat? See how that works for you. And uh, we didn't talk again for a while after that. But you've but you're still working with the guy. I mean, that, that, you've been working at this company for a while. It's an amazing thing. Uh, well, we work at home now, too. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and we're in the same department, but we haven't worked in the same room in about two years. Yeah. He, he's got his good points, too, but he he's one of the people that when it comes to something like that, he doesn't know the boundaries. Right, yep. We've all run into and, some of those, yeah. And now, now that you mention it, and, and I'm not going to get into the entire work relationship, he and I actually used to be really close work-wise before all this and that certainly put a big dent in that and we're not really close work-wise now and it's in part because of some things he did to aggravate my misophonia um in recent years um whether he meant to or not i honestly don't think he was really mean to until he found out it was bothering me and this right. other aspects of his personality so yeah it's, it's a good thing we don't work together maybe it's bad chemistry right uh, well, I mean, speaking of, like, you, you said you're working from home. You've been working from home for a couple years now or just since this whole COVID thing? Just since COVID started. Um, I was actually very much against that because I thought I knew myself years ago um, and said I, I could not work at home because I'd be too distracted. Mm -hmm. um, but now I have a family and, and other things going on in my, in, in my life that kind of started lately made me think it might not be so bad if I could work at home and I'm probably mature enough to do it without, you know, moving off. Right. And then COVID happened and I thought, well, here's my chance to find out. And yeah, I feel much better off with my overall situation. Um, I don't believe my productivity has gone down. Uh, misophonia wise, I'm much more at peace. And that's not to say that there's not an occasional no noise here um, that can do something like when, you know, my daughter is eating her breakfast or lunch and doing what I refer to as bowl banging. Um, and I know she doesn't mean to, but I can shut a door and that's the end of that. Um, at work, you don't know who's going to come around the corner or what the guy in the next cubicle is going to be doing. Um, so it's done wonders for my misophonia, just not having to go to the office. Um, I know a lot of people um, are feeling a benefit of it for one reason or another. That's one of my main reasons. There's other people who uh, want to go back to the office. I'm kind of hoping they leave me here when this is over. I'm hoping they find this was, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A cost-effective measure, you know, kind of a forced test that worked out. Yeah. And maybe they'll just let me continue working from here for however much longer I may be working for them. Um, that would be great. You know, and, and I feel kind of bad because I know some people are miserable and I'm actually, you know, enjoying the lockdown for the most part in, in a situation that's, you know, not a good situation. Look at it that way. I don't think I should be enjoying it. Right, but and, and I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you now because you got you got the you got the uh, the video one. And, and speaking of tools, you got the the new Pod Pros, AirPod Pros. Um, and you we were talking. You're talking about the uh, the Hero ear earphones before. Do you want to um, uh, the musician headphones or earbuds or whatever it is? 
Um, do you want to talk about like some of the pros and cons of some of these uh, earphones that you've used over the years? Originally, as I said, I did use the Heroes uh, Musicians uh, earbuds, and, and those were great. Um, they have a, a filter in them to let some noise in because the musician needs to be able to hear something. And I think after a while, it's just that I needed a little more resistance to outside noise when I'm wearing them. So these, they just go right into your ear, and I don't see anything indicating a size. I don't remember specifying a size, but on Amazon, I shudder to say the name of the brand. I just looked it up to make sure. Askilt. Uh, not spelled the way you think, but that's how I'd pronounce it. It's A-S-K-I-L-T. Askilt earplugs. So you can stick the Askilt in your ears, and you'll feel better about your miso. Um, Askilt for the Scotsman who's wearing nothing underneath. No. Um, so these uh, they're just like a rubbery silicone kind of material. They um, they sell them a couple of different ways, but the way I usually order them is a pack of two sets. They come in a little case, and one of them is yellow, and one of them is clear. Sometimes one of them is white. Uh, the clear is obviously the least conspicuous for if you're going to be out in public. The yellow uh, is something that I would maybe, you know, just if I needed to wear earplugs while I'm sleeping, which occasionally I do, then I wear those. Um, but, I yeah, I would recommend these. I would also recommend... Uh, the heroes that I was originally using because we don't all need the same thing and I thought those are great and then for the ultimate in jamming your ears up uh, I used to order skull screws quite a bit and I would actually go back and forth between those and the heroes until I found this is the ones I use now is more of a common ground between the two but skull screws will make you almost deaf and the reason they call them skull screws is you, you put them in your ear and you actually twist them in and then they kind of expand or something or you I guess yeah. They just perform fit really well. They're not that conspicuous, though, I got to tell you. They don't make them in clear. They're this big gray thing. Yeah. But if you're more concerned about what you're hearing than how you look, you can't go wrong with that, right? Yeah, yeah, of and, course. And, and then the, uh, yeah, I'm wearing the uh, iPad Pros, if I could talk about those for a second. Yes, give please Apple do. A plug, even though they're not paying me, and I wish they would, because they could certainly afford me. Um, I bought the original Apple AirPods uh, because... My wife wanted a pair, and I bought them for her, and I thought, well, I can't, you know, not get a pair for myself. might help with my miso, and plus I'm the pet guy, and I want a new toy. So I bought us each a pair, and I had problems with those because I couldn't get them to stay in my ears. And I, apparently I way. have yeah. yeah, ear holes the size of Coke bottles, I guess. So I would buy, you know accessories that third parties sold on Amazon. I bought probably five or more different ones to try out to make them fit. And most or all of them, you couldn't put them in their little charger. And folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to have to look this up, but it's not hard to find on Google or on the Apple store or anything. That's Apple AirPods. That's the original version. And I recommend those if you can make them fit in your ears. But the accessories, if you have to use those, they're not going to be able to charge within their little charger and that's one of the bonuses of having them so i used those for a while and then i went to actually i think the conference where i met you a deal and i had them with me and then uh i think it was that one and then when i got back and this is like over the course of like three months they announced the airpods pro and i said are you kidding me because i'm looking at it and it says it comes with three things and make it fit in your ears it has this awesome noise canceling feature 
So I went ahead and bought those, and uh, those are the ones I've worn ever since. I keep the old ones around, you know, for going back to the gym, which I may do someday. Um, but the AirPods Pro, much better. They have the noise-canceling feature that works really well, as I said. They, they give you three choices of uh, ear attachment so that they can fit in your ears, which the originals did not do. Um, and they also have another feature called transparency that I really like, um, especially if I'm working in an office environment because I can wear those and I can listen to music or honestly, I'm mostly using the podcast and uh, I can kind of balance it out with the sound around me. So that if someone walks up to me and I need to have a conversation, I can't. So what does that mean? I, I've heard about right. the uh, transparency mode. Does that duck out, duck down the uh, music or does that increase the voice or does it do something to the frequencies where it ducks out the middle of the frequencies of the music so that the voice can go through? How does that, how does that work? As far as I can tell with my naked ear, it doesn't do anything to the music or whatever sound is coming out of the headphones directly. What it does, if you think of it in three levels, this is how I look at it. You put in earphones and you're listening to music or not, whatever, you know, it's going to block out the sound around you, right? And so you've got the noise canceling, which will block that out even more to yeah. some degree, completely depending on how loud those noises are. Then you got the middle ground, which would be just to play the music, right? And then the next level is it actually amplifies the noises around you, but blends it in with whatever you're listening to. And so okay. how much that helps or hurt you would, I guess, depend on how high you turn up the volume of what you're listening to. Gotcha. Okay, so it doesn't change the volume of what you're listening to, but it cranks up what's around you if somebody's speaking to you. Right. So you'd hear, you'd hear them better than just, you know, if you just uh, had your, had your uh, earphones in. Does it, does, it get, does it feel very loud, though? Because now you've got the music. No. And then, okay, cool. For me. For yeah. me. Um, now, I've never, now that you mentioned I've never tested it out to see if, like, lowering the volume on the music. Well, if I'm, if I'm listening to music really loud and then somebody comes to talk to me, is it going to then raise their voice so loud that the combined? Well, no. Okay. No, you would have to turn the music down, but you wouldn't have to turn it down as low as you would if you had noise canceling on or if you just didn't have the transparency function on. So you could still keep your music going if you wanted to, just at a very low low volume. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, um, and ironically, uh, sorry. And I was going to say, like, in terms of, and then in terms of controls, um, you don't have to basically take them out of your ears, right? You can do whatever you want, like uh, next skip tracks and all that stuff. They're kind of like... <laughs> If you want, it takes yeah. some getting used to, but you can program what the, you've got a, a two ways that you work them. So you can see here. So if I'm listening to music or want to answer a call, then I do a, a quick squeeze. Mm. Um, if I want to turn on, and this is because I've set it up this way. If I want to turn on one of those other features, the noise canceling or the noise transparency or cycle through between the two, then I squeeze it and just hold it till it gets where I want to go. But that's where you can change it. I have it set where I can do that with both of my AirPods because that's what I need. Um, but if you program it for your iPhone, um, if you can use those functions to instead um, cycle to the next track or, or other other options. I can't remember what they are now because I've had them this way for so long. But I prefer to just be able to reach into either ear and um, turn off the noise transparency or turn it on or noise canceling as needed. Gotcha. Okay, so the transparency, all that stuff is, uh, you have to go into those modes. It's not like it senses somebody speaking around you. And Well, yeah, you have to set it, you have to turn it yeah. on. 
Yeah, and definitely. I can't remember what the defaults are in, in that configuration, but you know, you just go into your your settings through your phone and the app, and you know, find what you like. Gotcha. You know, I'm pretty basic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, uh, so yeah, let's let's switch gears and talk about uh, let's talk about the convention, kind of where we met. Um, oh yeah. What, you know, um, obviously we got one coming up um, soon, um, and uh, it's going to be virtual. Um, you've been to a few, uh, what, what are, uh, you know, I guess, you know, what are some of the more, your, the most interesting sessions, I guess you've seen, uh, at the conventions in terms of what could be research or coping mechanisms or whatever, like what are you, what are kind of your favorite parts of the convention? Actually, you know, the research and everything and the presentations about the, uh, you know, neurological studies, that's all very important. I'm very much for that. Um, uh, really like the presentation that Michael Menino gave at the last one. But I think at least after having gone to three of these so far, um, I, I'm more about the misophonia experience myself. So for the first few, yeah, I, I was probably in just about every, uh, every seminar and some of them were interesting. And there were people that would come and talk about different uh, things that they're trying. Like there's this guy actually, I, I think in the upper Midwest Denver area or something who was, supposedly making some breakthrough research and did a presentation on his thing. And then there's, you know, Tom Dozier had some interesting uh, ideas about it as well. Uh, you should look up the misophonia reflex. I believe he pioneered that term. But at the last convention, I noticed that I was spending more of my time hanging out outside, but nearby uh, with the other misophones, uh, many of whom had probably seen a lot of those seminars themselves. And it was just to get together as, as a family once a year in a, in a different location. That meant a lot to me. Um, so I enjoyed that more. I'm not saying I don't go to any of the, uh, the seminars. Of course I do, but I think that the experience is equally important, uh, the educational aspect of this. Um, I know that last time there was some talk about, uh, trying CBD and it's not something that I personally want to do, at least not at this point, but it was interesting to, uh, hear what they had to say about it. And, uh, one, one thing that I'm kind of looking forward to, and, and I guess we're going to maybe do it a little differently. I was hoping that we could focus on the regional support groups um, at the next convention. And now that it's gone virtual, I'm, there's probably still a way to do that. But um, this is the commercial here. I have a, uh, a uh, regional support group on Facebook that I do. And it, it's actually, this was originally the Misophonia Association's idea. I believe Dr. Johnson's idea, in fact. And a deal, of course, you do the Midwest, and I do the Western and Pacific uh, region. And then our friend Ellen does the uh, Northeast, and then I forget who does the Southeast. But kind of like to, you know, through this podcast, make people aware that those groups are out there, um, as well as many non-regional groups. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can maybe uh, share some info on that and help people that need it get involved, you know, through the, uh, through the next conference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you got your Pacific one that's that's growing quite fast. It's kind of, I guess, it's up and down the entire West Coast, right? So, California up to, you know, Oregon, Washington, Alaska, and yeah. kind of maybe neighboring states. Hawaii. Too. Yeah. Oh, Hawaii, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, and to be honest with you, Adil, I think you and I are going to have some of the same members. I mean, they are regional, but I learned when I was researching to set mine up that apparently the borders have never actually been officially set by the U.S. government as to what is Southwest and Midwest and Western and 
Eastern, et cetera. So a lot of people when they are organizations or what have you, when they needed to make regions, did it on their own. Uh, for example, I've always thought as Denver as being Midwest and there are others who think that too from what I read, but it's also considered Western. So if someone from that area wants to join my page, that won't necessarily exclude them. There's There's been plenty that I've sent toward you or Ellen because for some reason, a lot of people from Florida wanted to join my page. Thank you, Florida, love you. Just uh, it's regional though, but I would refer, you know, them elsewhere also because I want them to have some kind of support. Yeah, um, I so, think there's a need for, go ahead. Yeah, so I was gonna say, I mean, there are, you know, there are the, the big groups that just have like thousands of people from all over the place just kind of like ranting and throwing all their, um, uh, you know, all their, you know, issues that they're, that they're dealing with. Uh, well, what do you think are some, what are you kind of maybe kind of your, your goals for the regional, your, your regional um, group and, and kind of what are you, what are you seeing that it offers uh, people that they can't get anywhere else? my attitude <laughs> I, I tend to it's it's still growing so you know my the members are always invited to post something i'm not going to lie and say i might never have to take anything down um but feel free to to try stay within the rules if you're a member of the group and, and post what you what you want um if you want to post that you know that event then by all means event just do it appropriately um if you need to swear a little in the venting it's it's okay just you know don't go crazy with it. If you want to post an article you read in uh, on the Misophonia International page, I'm good with that because I'm doing a lot of those same posts myself. Um, but I, I also really am into humor in case you can't tell. And so I tend to post some funny things up there. Um, oftentimes directly related to Misophonia, sometimes related because I just felt like relating it. And occasionally something that's not really related, you know, I felt like maybe you guys needed a laugh today. So here's this funny meme from Facebook or whatever. So it doesn't have to be that tight, you know, get what you need out of it. Get, get a little venting out if you need to help someone else who's venting. There's been some of that. The group is starting to talk and post more. Um, but at this point, it's so mainly me doing it. So, but these are the things I'm doing. Occasionally I vent too. Um, post that, that article. I, I went crazy last week and I, I think I posted about eight hours worth of stuff one day. Must've been a lot of coffee that day. Um, you want to post a joke? That's fine. I mean, I found a really good meme of uh, Captain Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation as Locutus the Borg, for all of you uh, Star Trek oh, yeah. out there, yeah. reacting to a misophone trigger. And that's not even what it was for, but I saw it and I'm like, yeah, that's a misophone trigger reaction there. I put it up. So it's just get what you need to get through it, I guess. And a lot of that to me is humor. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And uh, have you, um, you know, I Another thing we do is uh, I, I do. You might do it more than I do. I just haven't had time because of uh, my time zone. But we have the weekly, uh, and there's a couple of them now. The weekly calls uh, on Zoom, and uh, you know, a lot of people probably think about video calls, and they're like, "Oh my god, that could be a disaster." But um, they've been quite cathartic and therapeutic, wouldn't you say? Um, and and, and yeah. people keep coming back to them. Um, you, what do you think about? Have you been going to a bunch of those? I mean. Uh, log into a bunch of those or um, well if I could something? name drop another uh, misophonia celebrity uh, Lyle uh, Cyber yes uh, Lyle was one of our early uh, yeah Lyle was one of our early episodes Lyle was honestly actually really one of the inspirations uh, for this podcast uh, the, the uh, meet and greet the night before the last convention is when I 
uh, had this idea after maybe a few beverages. Um, but really? uh, he was he was one of the stories I really wanted to get on. Uh, amazing, amazing human being. And uh, um, I, yeah, I just kind of sorry I derailed the conversation talking about Lyle. But uh, please continue. Yeah. No, actually, that's all of your podcasts are good to deal with. That's one of my favorites. And I'll admit some of that personal bias probably because I, I'm friends with Lyle. Um, but he introduced me to the and he does have an amazing story. I don't want to downgrade his story. Um, in fact, I've listened to it a few times, but um, he's the one that turned me on to the first Zoom group. Um, and it took me a while to actually make the time to get in there. But once I got in there, it's very hard for me to skip and it happens every other week. And that's, uh, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm allowed to say who runs that one um, publicly, but then there's the other group that kind of branched off from that. And that one is run by our friend Ellen. And I, I don't think that's a secret. And so I kind of joined up with that one too. And I'm, so one is on a Saturday and then the other one is on a Sunday opposite that Saturday, yeah. every other week, a week apart from each other. And uh, I, I try to go sign on to all of them. Sometimes it's just me and one other person. And sometimes I think the highest number I've seen is maybe eight people. Yeah. I, I remember on last year on the holidays when I, when I had time to go to some of them. Uh, yeah. There were like uh, 10 people sometimes. Uh, you know, 10? Sometimes people would go in and out, but uh, have you tried to do, uh, I was going to ask you, how did your, uh, you tried to do a Facebook rooms, I think, right. With your, uh, with your Pacific group. Did you get anybody? I haven't tried. No. That yet. <laughs> and how that works out. Maybe we'll all know by the time this, uh, this podcast yeah. airs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw that function on there. My first thing was I didn't want to step on the Zoom groups. I tend to still stay in those groups. Um, so I'm not sure how I want to go about it exactly. And I thought, well, maybe I could just do random groups um, and see how, you know, what happens if you just open up a room and people haven't been signed on and see it? Will they show up? We'll see. And then, of course, schedule groups are an option, too. I, I'd obviously not right. schedule them at the same time as the Zoom groups. And so I thought, well, let's do a random test. So I gave everyone like 15 minutes notice. I posted, hey, I'm going to set up our first Facebook group room, whatever you call it. And uh, it's going to come on at like five o'clock or something. It was this, just this past weekend. Um, and so that time hit and I'm setting up the room and I managed to botch it. So then I'm posting, hey, keep watching. I'm yeah. going to try this again in a few minutes. I think I had to do something like that two or three times before I finally got in there. And I said, okay. So here I am, and it was just before six o'clock at that point, and I said I'm going to let this run till so, or maybe it's just five, and I was gonna, whatever it was, I was going to give it about an hour, and I said I'm just going to sit here and see who comes in, and uh, no one came, and so I, you know, shed a few tears, and no, I'm just kidding. So then I, I got on there and and I assured people in, in my next post, I said, hey, none of you showed up. It's cool. This is exactly the kind of data I'm looking for. I'm going to do a few more of these random ones and also some scheduled ones just to see if you guys show up so that I can determine if it benefits the group or not. And I'm hoping it does, but if it doesn't, then I'll abandon it, not to say it won't benefit the group, but maybe now is not the time. I'm hoping it is. So I figure maybe after about five or six total trials between the two different methods, we'll see. And if it looks like it's going to work out, then I'll keep it on going one way or another. If it's not, then I'll just you know maybe try it again in a year or something. Weren't you going to do one too? I thought I saw. I was. I was probably going to do one. I was going to maybe do one this week, and then, uh, yeah, there's been quite a few distractions around uh, around the country, so I've been. Uh, That's true. It could be bad timing. Um, just everyone's a little bit uh, preoccupied. That's true. Um, 
but you know what? As, as an admin for those groups, you can see if people have even seen your post. And I yeah. think the last time I checked, about 14 people did see that room was there. Yeah. Well, that's even if they're, I mean, they're, they, they could be looking for, uh, uh, you know, they could be looking for, uh, for a, somebody posting, a neighbor posting whether, you know, people are burning down the house or something. So and they just sure. happen to pass by your post. Yeah. So. Right. Um, hey, so look, John, uh, Dr. Dr. John, John, I'll, I'll cut out the Dr. John's. It's not getting funny. Please send donations that. too. <laughs> um, we've cut, yeah, we've cut a bunch of ground. Is there anything, yeah, anything else you want to say to people? I know you're, I mean, you're quite the advocate. So, um, you know, Thank anything you. you want to tell people maybe who, uh, are not quite as, you know, have not known about it as this long are not quite as in tune to the community, um, about, about MISO and maybe how they can get involved or, you know, what, you know, how, how they should cope or whatever, whatever you want to say. Well, um, just a few things. One, uh, if you are looking for a group, my group might not be your group. That's for you to decide. Maybe it is. Okay. And if you happen to be in the Western region, or at least as best as we can define the Western region, um, Alaska or Hawaii, you know, look for the group. It's called the, uh, I got the name of my own group. The, uh, Western, Western Pacific. Yeah. It's a long one. Western and Pacific Misophonia Support Group. It's a Facebook group only, at least at this point. So you got to be a member of Facebook. And uh, there's rules that you can read out front. Uh, if you look, you might actually run across what I call a preview page for non-members first. It links to that one. It's a long story how I kind of built that one by accident, but it seems to have worked out. Um, and then you send your join request and uh, it gets reviewed. There's a few questions you have to answer. Um, those questions have to be answered one way or another for you to be considered though. Um, and they're basically, do you or a loved one have misophonia? Um, What's your do you live in the, number? Um, right. Please include a credit card that doesn't expire for at least six months. Um, so that you live in the right region and that you'll follow rules. I mean, standard stuff really. Um, but just yeah. do it. I mean, it's, it's not that hard to get in if, if you meet the criteria and it's not really that stringent of a criteria, but, that said, I do want to bring up one other thing, if I may. Um, I know there's a few of you out there who are offended by the idea of regional groups. You think it's elitist. I've gotten a few un unhappy emails, okay? And I accept that. One person basically flat out, she, she was very nice about it, but she told me she didn't I, I agree with the idea of regional groups because she felt it excluded people. I can see where that's coming from. Um, I make no apologies for having a regional group. I do believe in them. Um, but I also believe in non-regional groups, groups with other focus and groups that maybe just don't have as much focus. And there's a lot of them out there. So Exactly. This is just another tool, and it could be used to meet up in person or it's less likely to exactly. be a big group. So, yeah. Exactly. And, and one, of the, one of the people who doesn't like this idea is actually local to me, but <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, but, but that said, and uh, hopefully this will all be in fruition by the time this podcast airs, I'm actually working on another group right now that is non-regional. Um, it has a slightly different focus, very similar, and I'm not getting rid of my regional group, okay? I, I, I say my group, but I look at it as our group, that it belongs to the people in it, not just me. Um, I just happen to be the guy pulling the trigger on some of the things. But I am putting together a room with it with a wider range for the planet, um, well, maybe there can be more talking and you say, well, you know, there's, there's groups out there already doing it. Well, of course there are. And I'm not trying to compete with them. I just think we need more of them. That's part of the awareness. And some of them are going to come to my group and some of them are going to go to the 
you know, the other similar group or, or, or 10 of the same, and that's fine, whatever works. We're not competing with each other, we're here to support each other, and that's what I wanna do. So, as we say in LA, the working title of my group is Misophonia uh, Without Borders. And that probably will be the final title of it when I'm done with it. I'm, I've been putting it together for the last week, but Misophonia Without Borders. Uh, keep an eye out. Maybe we'll see you there. Well, that's great. Misophonia Without Borders. Let's, yeah, let's end on that note. And uh, we'll definitely plug that if that's ready by the time we, uh, by the time we air. Um, and John, I want to thank you. I can't wait to see you again. Uh, I mean, I see you here on, on video, but uh, right. uh, maybe at a, the next in-person convention or yeah, at some other event when we can all travel. But uh, always, always good to talk to you. And uh, thanks for all you're doing for spreading awareness and starting groups and just trying to get people together to figure this out. Well, thank you too, man. I, you know, I love what you do with your podcast. I'm not, you know, now that we're not recording, I'm going to tell you something honestly. So take it as the compliment that it is. The first time I met you, I think, was as I was getting ready to leave for the airport in Minneapolis or, or as the convention in or something. So I know we didn't talk that much the first time. And then last time in Denver, we spent a little more time together. And, and you know, everybody's getting inspired and you were inspired. And I remember you go, I'm going to start a Misophonia podcast when I get back. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. But you know, we'll see if he actually does He's not or do not. It. And you have well, no, I didn't say you weren't going to do it, but yeah. I know how the, the inspiration can fade. And I thought, let's just see what he does. You know, maybe in six months, I'll hear something. You have this damn thing up running in two weeks. I yeah. like, I don't think I've ever been so impressed by that kind of motivation. You know, that was awesome. Yeah, well, and I, I have was... shared that with others. It's the first time I've got to tell you that myself face to face, sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, uh, yeah, I wanted to feed off the energy that I got from you guys, um, oh, that we all kind of built together. So, um, yeah, it's a good little group we have there. Okay, I'm looking forward to all of us all hanging out again. Thank you, John. And thanks everyone for listening. It's good to be back with new interviews. They'll continue next Wednesday. Still slots available if you want to have a conversation. I would love to chat. Go to misophoniapodcast.com. You can sign up for a slot right there. Music again is by Moby. And until next week, wishing you peace and quiet. <laughs>